Welcome to Pop Tarts. Beer, 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 beer. Beer, I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watts. We're both editors at Bust Magazine here in Brooklyn, New York. And today, we're freaking the fuck out. Losing the shits. Because Jessica Williams is in the booth! Yes! I'm here in the booth. <laughs> Hot in the booth. That's me. We're in a tiny booth, um, and we're in the city of industry, and we are in a really tight space. It's super tight. So it's I've like been trying to be booth. very cool. I've been like, I love small spaces, and it's like, we've been in here for three minutes, and I'm like, not sure if I love it's, small spaces. It's like a corporate team building exercise. Yeah, no, this is like literally <laughs> trust falls. I'm very excited about this. I just thought that it was, how about, just fucking badass. I would drag him. That's trash. <laughs> what? You can't do that to sushi. Just saying Trump sausage made me like sort of feel like I was going to barf a little. It's like very Oprah of me. You're here because you're making your debut as the star of a mm-hmm. feature film. Mm-hmm. You are a movie star now. You are mm-hmm. now a movie star. I'm on my way. The film is The Incredible Jessica James, and it's coming out on July 28th on Netflix. Yes. Just to give the the good people at home a little backstory. You know Jessica Williams. I know you do. You know her from The Daily Show. Yes. You know her from Two Dope Queens, yes. the greatest podcast of all time. Okay, you have eyes well, that's and ears. like really intense. Avi, we're on your podcast. We're on Pop-Tarts <laughs> and Pop-Tarts is lit. So we re- I really appreciate it. I know my work wife, Phoebe, probably really appreciates that. But thank you so much. And you know Jessica and Phoebe from the pages of Bust Magazine where yes. they have yes. both appeared. Yes, yes. So, well, you're, you were cover, on the cover last in, year. Yes, I was a cover girl last year, and it was I a beautiful February one. issue, I think. And I think it, it's on my coffee table. It was the right February now. March issue, and yeah. it was glorious. Yeah, thank you so much. It was you guys treated me so well. I loved my team that day. Everybody's like, "Shut up!" And I was like, "I loved my team that day." Like the listeners are like, "Shut up!" No, because on Two Dope Queens, you were just talking <laughs> just about talking recent about photo shoots that you've had. It wasn't with a you team. guys. It wasn't you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you said who it was, so I was so relieved that it wasn't us. Good. I was like, "Oh, thank God, we treated her right." No, everybody like as you guys this photo shoot. Like it was so many women. Everybody like lotion me down on my legs. <laughs> it's like you're super vulnerable. You know, you're black. You're ashy. You're like, okay, I trust you to like lubricate my legs. So I had a lot of that when I was there, and I had just the best nails, best hair, best makeup, and the photographer was awesome. So I was, I was truly happy with it. I got a vagina ring. Yes, oh, I'm the vagina ring was lit. Yes, I love that. Awesome. I my friend it. Oren makes them. Yeah, they're great. Uh, thank you, Oren, um, for the vagina ring that you donated to me. I don't know if you know I have it, but. I love my pussy ring. It's really nice. It's really yeah, people nice. give it a double look, you know. Sometimes yeah. you're like, oh, it's a flower, and you're like, mm-hmm. it is in a way. Mm-hmm. Georgia O'Keefe would say it was. <laughs> so the movie, mm-hmm. in brief, mm-hmm. you play a 25-year-old playwright who lives in Deep Bushwick. Would you say you live in De- Deep Bushwick, Bed-Stuy. Kelly? Oh, Bed-Stuy. Oh, mm-hmm. I love bed Close too. enough. And uh, you teach public school kids to write stage scenes for a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and you're getting over a bad breakup and then your best friend sets you up on a blind date with with a smooth dude played by chris o'dowd yes and that's the general outline of the story mm-hmm. but i feel and callie you can tell me if you agree that this is really 
sort of like a fantasia for people who want to imagine what it would be like to hang out with Jessica Williams. That's really cool. So when you said Fantasia, my first thought was Fantasia Burino. 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 I was like, no, there's like another Fantasia. And it was like a massive Fantasia. So I appreciate that. I was like, ooh, Fantasia Burino. Like, yes, let's talk about her. Um, so that was a little bit of a bait and switch on your part. Even sorry, if you didn't sorry. mean to do it. Have you seen Have you seen the movie? Yes, we've both yes. seen oh, the film. Oh, great! Thank you, yes. thank you for watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it I was really written for that. you, right? It was. Yeah, I I did this movie called People Places Things with the writer and director of that movie and incredible Jessica James. His name's Jim Strauss, and we. Um, he was super nice. Uh, he was a fan of The Daily Show. And so I met with him for People, Places, Things. And then we shot that over the summer. And it's with Jermaine Clement and Regina Hall. I highly recommend you see it. I, think I it's love on Jermaine. Another bust no. covered. Oh, that's hot. I love that. And so anyway, uh, what he said was like after we were done filming, we were at Sundance for the first movie. He was like, oh, I can't wait until somebody writes like you your own movie. And then he said he thought he was like, oh shit wait I can do that and so <laughs> then it was it's amazing and then I, I know for me I was like oh my gosh this like nice soft spoken white dude wants to write me a movie hell yeah I'm, I'm available <laughs> uh, I'm super available um, so anyway we like met a couple of times and he was just like explaining the character of Jessica and we you know he asked me for my advice and my opinion and then I became the EP on the movie which was really cool oh awesome yeah it's very very cool to be like an executive producer it's like very Oprah of me and uh, yeah so we like geared up and shot it last summer and now it's coming out July 28th like exactly a year later so it's it's really exciting and, and the movie is great because we have Chris O'Dowd Lakeith Stanfield and Noah Wells and Lakeith Stanfield's having quite a year he, he's in every he's, he's in, in like every everything. single thing that I've seen he's in every like and I bet you I could walk into any movie right now and he would totally be in it killing it <laughs> yeah he is in everything so it's insane that he's in our movie but uh, we were so happy to get him, and I was so happy to get him. I like loved working with him. But it's season. It made me connect more, I think, to your character because if I broke up with Lakeith Stanfield, I would feel all the feels. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I, I would was, be like so devastated. I know. Well, we were just Jim and I were just standing in the back. We just did a screening um, of the movie at BAM mm-hmm. um, here in Brooklyn, and we were standing in the back and we were watching the the screening again and I turned to Jim and I was like oh my gosh Lakeith is like such a smoke show and I've seen this (laughs) I've seen this movie so many times we were like oh man what a smoke show (laughs) and also beautiful I I couldn't remember where I saw him from but Bridesmaids it was Bridesmaids Bridesmaids I should proud charming little man oh he's so charming and delightful yeah, I was like, I can feel this dude. I was, I was feeling. Yeah, all. you were into it. Were you into it? And your Let's character start. was just like a joy to watch. It oh, was, thank you. Whenever you came on, I was like, oh, here comes some comedy. It was just like very refreshing. That is such a nice thing for you to say. That's like <laughs> one of the most friendship romantic things. Ever <laughs> oh, here goes comedy. Like that's <laughs> so nice. Wow, that's that's like my next tattoo. I was wondering because you play yourself essentially you played yourself on the daily show like you were jessica williams on the Mm. daily show Mm. and then i listened to two dope queens and i would imagine that that's what you're like in life and so that person that i have grown to like want to watch and listen to so much i feel like i saw that person in this movie as well which was wow that's cool which was very deft i would say of jim strauss because like people want to feel what it would be like to hang out with you and I got that sense from the movie what kind of how did you balance playing someone who was not you Mm. 
with someone who seemed so much like the persona that you've had in your other projects, like, how did you balance the two that you are yourself with actually your first name? That's but, really cool. But not you. I I feel like that's so interesting because I know for The Daily Show, we're like, I was a version of myself, but not, I, I personally, me, I'm very conflict avoidant. I... Um, I'm not one to be super crazy outspoken, but with The Daily Show, I just sort of followed my heart and followed my feet. And it turned out that this was, that was a part of me that needed to be expressed, expressed. So it's sort of like, um, you know, like Harry Potter, the the Harry Potter universe where you have a wand and that's where like magic is to mm-hmm. be like concentrated. It sort of feels like with The Daily Show, it was like, okay, here's like my female anger and my female opinions like concentrated right now yeah channeled mm-hmm. it out channeled and then for Tudo queens i don't i feel like it it's so different maybe that is more closer to me but also it does feel like at the end of a Tudo queen show like i'm tired like i'm sleepy you know I, yeah like i just want to go home and like play the sims like i'm like okay i'm done i need to like shut down so i don't know if that's even that feels like concentrated uh-huh. and so what was cool also about doing the incredible jessica james was that um i got to play a lot of different emotions and you know it's funny sometimes and sometimes it's touching and sometimes it's it's a few different things so i got to sort of um be uh fuller in a way that felt really nice but also I know as like a comedian I was and I am sometimes I'm always stressed out about what my voice sounds like so it it's, means a lot to me for you to say it sounds like it's like similar versions of you that that feels really good uh-huh. I think how was it to balance like a version of me with um, you know playing this character because she is a character I think it the reason why we didn't change the name was because Jim just like didn't feel like changing the name. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's as simple as that and uh-huh. so we just like kept proceeding and Jim just was like nope not gonna change the name not gonna change the name um it made it nice because I could easily respond to like when Chris O'Dowd says my name I can go huh because it's that's like my name yeah. um <laughs> but I think it, it was a tricky balance of like being like oh yeah I'm, I'm like acting I'm acting mm-hmm. um because I totally am but uh, yeah, it was kind of a weird. I still don't really have it fully figured out. But I guess the best way to respond would be like, "Thank you for the compliment." Also, that means a lot to me. That it sort of reads my work reads consistently in a way. Sidebar: Do you really play The Sims? Yeah. What, <laughs> what do you mean? Do I? Re- okay. Do you? I have in the pause. Okay. When pa- I <laughs> when I first um, moved to New York, uh-huh. I was lonely and didn't know people, and so I sort of like would disappear into The Sims for some quiet. Uh, like when I was just living by myself for the first time in in life, I was like, "Hello, Sims, please be my family." So I have to ask you: Do you use cheat codes to trick out your apartment? Yeah, I don't have time to work. Like, That's please. crazy. No. I have a grown ass woman. I'm like going to be thirty <laughs> in three years. Like, I I work a real job. Like, I don't need to fucking go earn some millions in a game. I didn't pay for that. Yeah, I'm a mother little cheat coder till the day I pass. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I will do it. I'm not even Rosebud. Rosebud, you'll get like what, twelve hundred simoleons? No, Mother Lode, you'll get forty thousand simoleons. I don't know how this works. It. I haven't played since like OG Sims days. You live your life, but you need a lot of money to to trick things out the mm-hmm. way you want, mm-hmm. and you don't want to work for that money. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I'm. Ain't nobody got time for that. But <laughs> different characters get more points. 
No, no, it's not like that. It's just you have to like work. You have to become like a security guard or something like that. I'm like, I have like two hours to play this before I have yeah, to go to work. Yeah, why would you want to be a security work. guard for two hours? Because no you can become an astronaut. You can become uh, an astronaut. All right, I'll and naturally, that. <laughs> you start as a security guard and then you can go on a career track and it, you'll end up as an astronaut. Oh. It's awesome. I like that they dream high. Yeah. <laughs> but you can also do that or you can, I play Sims 3, mm-hmm. um, not Sims 4, but with Sims 3, they have so many different expansion packs. Uh-huh. You can also do like Supernatural. So why would you, do, why wouldn't you just like be yeah. a fairy and like yeah. float around your I would apartment. go Supernatural all the way. I need to get back in the Sims. Yeah. <laughs> I would sleep it. Yeah. Don't sleep on the Sims. <laughs> it's fun. I feel like the there are many different threads running through the movie. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that I was very sort of attentive to was the heartbreak and like the sort of weird, twisted mind escape that you mm-hmm. get into. Mm-hmm. I don't, for those of you at home, you can't see, but I have two white streaks on the sides of my hair in the front. Do oh, you it's see? gorgeous. You're like um, rogue. And I got know. them when I was 21 after the worst breakup of my life. Whoa. You did not. Those are emotional That is <laughs> so savage of your body. Your body is like still dragging you over this it's breakup. It's fully Freddy Krueger. It's like That's Nightmare on Elm Street. hysterical. It's hot though. It's like perfectly... <laughs> it's perfectly yeah. proportioned. It my my emblem that I've been through the shit and I've come out the other side and it it just sprouted out my head. I but, would okay. I just want to stop for a second. Okay, this let's is stop because for a this second. is like why, I mean we're not pausing. I want to talk about this. Let's, like, you did, let's you can't talk just about drop it. shit like that and okay. keep it moving. Wait, so you've had, had? Did you tell the person who broke up with you that that happened to my? Head? I would send. I would Absolutely send them a not, photo but- every day of every strand. <laughs> I would drag him to filth or her, whatever. It was a him. I would drag him. (laughs) That's trash. (laughs) But also, it's gorge on you. It's like, thank you. After the end of X-Men 1, when Rogue is like, Mm -hmm. so overwhelmed with her powers that she gets the beautiful gray streak. Yeah, like, it's not like I woke with the full streak. It was like, post-breakup, the hair that grew in those spots after the breakup, just just on the sides, was white. That's wild. Livid. (laughs) And sometimes I cover it, and sometimes I don't. Fun fact I did not know about you. Now you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, this is what the podcast is about. This is <laughs> Connecting to art. How long did I'm you, did to you date? Art. It was three years. Oh, yeah, that's a long time. But, you know, when you're 21, that's like the eternity. Yeah. You might as well start dating when you were like six months old. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I can't take care. And I was like positive. I was like, that is it for like my the entirety of my dating life. That's forever. what it feels like. That's what it feels like. That is what it felt like. It feels like the end of the world as you know it. But it wasn't for me and it wasn't for your character. That's true. So she is, she has the character Jessica James has um, some heartbreak early on and she's wrestling with that and she gets pretty dark because she's a writer so a part of it is like she's wrestling with it internally, and so we get to experience that as as the viewer, which is pretty. pretty Have lit. you been through it yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, when I first moved to New York, I liked this guy so much. I was like twenty, I just twenty one. I just got in the Daily Show, and I moved out here, and he totally like hooked up with somebody while I was gone, and I was just savage. Rude devastate like uh-huh. sobbing That's fucking and we, I moved here to New York in the middle of winter so it was like 20 Ugh. degrees and I moved from LA I moved from California Mm-mm. so I was like why you know why does the world hate me so it became about me I was like why is why does evil prevail mm-hmm. yeah why does hate win <laughs> who am I when I got boys are on, monsters I was like she better be 
really, really hot because I know she's not as funny yeah, as me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, the girl is great. The girl is great. The girl that's that he that did makes with you is great. She's so like much better. A, kind of when you're like, no, that, that would get make it. me furious. No, the girl and I are on good terms. But also, it's like not even on her because yeah. she didn't know. It's like of on course. the dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've like moved on, obviously, which is why I'm talking to you guys about it on this podcast right now, specifically. I'm like so beyond it. But I was devastated at the time. It's the being cheated on just and blows did my you mind every time. find the lure of the Instagram something that had to be battled with like in the movie? I didn't. I'm really like cold turkey. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to see you. I don't want to fucking hear from you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do any like I, I don't want anything to do with that. It's, it's, so I, I, I'm a cold turkey girl. Yeah. Before when I got cheated on right before we broke up, I knew it was the time because I was like, oh, I should look into his phone. I think something sketchy is going yeah, on. And yeah, I'm like, felt who it. are you? Who are you yeah, becoming? You're not a phone looker. Wait, so you're right. So you were right. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's you when know. you know, because if, if you're already getting that and you're not normally a phone mm-hmm. looker, mm-hmm. You're, then you're just like, fuck it. I don't need mm-hmm. to look. I know. Mm-hmm. Was it like a friend? No, I didn't know her. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So I was just like, Huh? I can guarantee you she was Coast. not as funny as you. She would never wear what you're wearing in the booth right now. Yeah, Tell the listeners what you're wearing. Uh, it's a pillowcase that I cut into a dress with weed all over it. That's hot. You look iconic. Why would you sleep on this when you can be wearing this? It's true. That's right. true. It's true. I want to also mention my, I think probably my favorite part of the film. This is not a spoiler. Okay, great. It's Bye. just a great part of the film where Chris O'Dowd, your love interest, says that he likes you and you reply of course you like yes. me everybody does i'm freaking dope i uh, love that line i love and that. i was like why don't women in romantic comedies ever say shit like that like of course she's freaking dope of course chris o'dowd wants a piece of that like why i just feel like i didn't really realize how demure women are in we're all very apologetic we're kind of bred since birth to be very apologetic like sorry i'm alive and to be like so thankful of compliments and like oh my god you like me really Mm -hmm. i was so into that line and how do we i want to know was that written for you did you ad lib it and how do we get more of that kind of juice in our romantic (laughs) yeah going forward well i know jim um said just I just because I know him well this is what he would say because he's somebody he he wrote that Mm -hmm. for me I didn't improvise that um I I improvised quite a bit in this movie but he wrote that specifically he said he had been watching um Pretty in Pink with his daughter he has a daughter she's awesome and he said he'd watching it and he was like kind of bummed out because she ends up with this like doofy ass jock you know Mm. yeah even though there are like great parts of the movie and John Hughes even though the duck man is right there yeah Yeah. totally so she ends up with this like boring jock and so he wanted to make a movie about romance with a female character that is like not apologetic and is doesn't necessarily need anyone to be fulfilled and won't change Mm -hmm. so I think that that had a lot of influence and of course you do everybody likes me I'm freaking dope yeah is because it's like you know she shouldn't apologize like women shouldn't apologize like apologize for being amazing because we're truly amazing yeah and also once you get to that point where you stop apologizing, then you're open to finding people that actually like you instead of just right. falling for a bitch that gives you a lot of compliments. Yeah. And they're empty bullshit compliments. Totally, totally. You you get to rely on, like, yourself to figure out what love is as opposed to having it all be entirely dependent on somebody else. So that, I think, has, was the influence of, like, that line. I love that you did it. Thank and the you. way that you did it. Oh, and everything about it. Thank you. So... 
correct me if I'm wrong, but was this your first on-screen sexual scene? Yeah, I did. This is my first time kissing people and all that stuff on screen. Did you have to do a lot of gearing up for it? I, you know, no, just mentally, I was like, all right, it's my first, like, you know, you're acting like let's let's be an adult. So I did that. (laughs) Yeah. And now that it's out in the world, like, does your man have feelings about it? Does your parents have feelings about it? No, he's like understands that I'm like working, which is yeah. He's like very respectful. There's like been zero flack or pushback, which is very hot of him. Uh huh. Um, and my parents, I remember I saw a screening, the first screening of the movie, and my mom came with um my godmother and my aunt, and I was sitting next to my best friend, and I was just grabbing my best friend like. What is my mom doing? <laughs> when I was like making out, I was like so scared. You but know? it wasn't like totally salacious or like. No, no, guys, it's not. It's the character not isn't. Is like... Pornhub.com slash <laughs> yeah. black booties. It's like. Not like that. <laughs> I feel like, Callie, you and I may have talked about this before. You can remind me. But there's another great part of the movie where Jessica James goes back. She lives like in the Midwest. Is mm-hmm. that right? She's in Ohio. And she puts on, first of all, A, she puts on a fly jumpsuit mm-hmm. and goes back home to her sister's baby shower and brings her, like, amazing feminist gifts at the baby shower mm-hmm. and is wearing, like, a super Williamsburgy jumpsuit mm-hmm. to the max. And mm-hmm. the people there in the hometown look at her like she's from Mars. Yeah. Have you ever had that? Like, I've I've had that even. I'm, I'm from L.A. and New York after living here for, like, six years you go back and you're like oh shit it's like so different like it's really you can take so much more creative license here in yeah. New York than you can in LA and I'm like an LA truther till the day <laughs> I just but it's still like I'll go back and I'll be like oh people don't really dress like this here like people look at you weird in LA but here everybody's got their own vibe and it's like respected which is tight yeah, I'm from Richmond. I remember when I went back for the first time after moving to New York. And I was wearing some regular shit that I'd worn before, but everybody was like, oh, you really taking to New York? What's this outfit? And I was like, I just wear this outfit. Yeah. Like all the time when yeah. I lived here. Yeah. It's the same outfit. It was the attitude yeah. along with it. I think they just like had no one else dressing crazy. So then they forgot that that's what I always did. Yeah. Like your wee dress. Yeah. It like, was like that's a- lit. It was like a crib sheet that I'd made into a shirt. And I was like, <laughs> I've had this since I was literally a baby. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> like, so funny. That's funny. But I feel like it was not just the outfit, but also the feminist baby gifts. Like, have you shown up, like, with feminism, like, popping out all over and, like, had your hometown crew react maybe differently than you would have oh, liked yeah. or just differently? Yeah, totally. Especially, especially since I was raised in a, like, very Christian, pretty conservative household where, like, the women make the men the plates, you know, in the kitchen while they sit downstairs and they watch football or basketball. Um, so my, like, feminism and womanism is, it, it's always, like, since I was, a te- like, a, I guess maybe in college, it, teen in college, it's always been sort of something that's rubbed against my family where they've all been like, woof, you're weird. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're like, woof, you're a piece of work. You know, like, that's, like, always been the thing in my family is... They're always like, you're a real piece of work. Like, I'm a piece of work. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. No, they they just, they're all like, they just all think I'm a piece of work. So, (laughs) luckily, now I um, can do movies and podcasts and TV shows where I get paid to be a piece of work. Yeah. (laughs) 
So I'm like, all right, cool. Well, you guys definitely have roasted me a lot, but also like the world isn't roasting me that hard. So this is pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you're also being paid to be a feminist. Would you agree with that? I'm paid to be myself, I think. And I think myself being a woman and being a black woman, being like a person of color, you it's sometimes inherently political, even without meaning to be. I'll fucking take it, Avi, because that's like what it's like to be us. But uh, yeah, I get paid to be me. And I don't really have to, like, compromise my integrity. I feel like it's kind of a crazy privilege to get people to be able to, like, listen to you for an extended period of time or to get people to watch you or engage with something you've made for an extended period of time. If that's the case, I want people that follow my work to always trust that I'm going to do something with integrity and that they're not hopefully gonna going to see me do something that you know is like disrespectful to people of color or is disrespectful to women like I hope that they for the rest of my life people see they associate like that they can trust me with like making quality choices because it's a privilege to have their attention in the first place you know what I mean it's like an honor to be able to like play make-believe and like two dope queens i get to like puss around with my best friend for like two and a half hours yeah you know so it's like you it's it's such a a privilege that people want to go see that that's insane and you say that you're paid to be yourself which i totally admire and Mm -hmm, agree with mm -hmm. you're in the time of your life you're 27 is that right yeah where all kinds of like life change things are happening Mm -hmm, do mm -hmm. you feel any pressure now that like yourself is being monetized shows are being built around you movies are being built around you um and obviously because you're a human being you're changing uh-huh. but you're being paid to be yourself mm. is there a push and pull in there like what if the person that i become isn't what the producers of this project had in mind i guess uh no i mean if the person i become isn't who they had in mind like good luck and like just be <laughs> yeah, you alter know your shit. but also you know if right. i'm not for like everyone so if you like don't like me then um okay i respect that but also fuck off um (laughs) Mm -hmm. so there's nothing really i can do i just hope that people like if you like me then great if you don't okay well women don't exist for you to like them. Like, exactly. my life will continue like i'm gonna hang out with my boyfriend and, like play the sims <laughs> it's well, fine i'm gonna like read yeah. harry potter again for like the 10th time like it's fine <laughs> i'm okay you started off in politics you think people expect much more of you in that realm then yeah i think they do but that's like not me fully i'm somebody who cares about social politics and i care about intersectionality and care about feminism and womanism and like lgbtq rights like that's like what i care about so i'm 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 just going to, like, follow my bliss and hope that yeah. people are, like, down to party with me. <laughs> are you kind of bummed? Because Trump is so much material. And all no, I'm not bummed about oh, that. Because <laughs> it seems horrible. You'd, it you'd just, either be torn horrible. of, like, no. God, I got to deal. No. You would have to read all that depressing stuff no, so I'm thoroughly. Okay. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, like, so Gucci without it. I'm so <laughs> nice. He seems horrible. Like, I, there's okay. not... Yeah. I don't want to, like, I was, like, triggered just now when you said that. Like, yeah. I don't want to fucking talk about that. What, what were we talking about that triggered me the other day when I was... Oh, uh, we were watching a documentary on Netflix mm-hmm. about, like, this oh. sort of Machiavellian, like, political star maker who is basically responsible for Donald oh, Trump. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Um, that, what's his name? Rob... Uh, Roger... Get me Roger Stone. Oh, my gosh. He was so 
interesting and we were so triggered by the end when it just sort of like sped through the election <laughs> like, and we oh. like, yeah it's like the it's so fucked up Oh, but that documentary is really good. I know. It's it's amazing. It's he really incredible. He has Nixon incredible. tattooed on his back. He does. It's insane. It's insane. insane. I, you know, he's despicable, but I, like, enjoyed watching it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes any sense. It like, makes he's so sense. weird. Because I was like, oh, this is how the Trump sausage got made. It, yeah. No, seriously. Otherwise, like, you're like, it. how the fuck did we even get here? Just and saying then Trump made... sausage made me, like, sort yeah, of feel like I was going to Yeah, it's like, I like, yeah, I definitely had that as well. But also, you have to do it. I got a photo association of just, like, a cat poop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what came to my yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So we're podcasters. You're, I would argue, one of the most successful podcasters in the game right now. How are we doing so far? What What advice do you have for oh us? Oh, my gosh. I have none. Follow your bliss and follow your heart. You're killing it. It's like be yourself. People well, your like that. It's much different because you do it live. We do it. Fuck it. We do it live. Yeah. I don't want to quote Bill O'Reilly, but I just did it. Fuck <laughs> it. We do do it live. And uh, yeah, we, we do it live at the Bell House, not too far from here in uh-huh. Brooklyn. Um, sometimes we do it in LA because Phoebe got a writing gig out there. So, and I'm from there. So we would do shows there. But now we have, like, we have a few coming up that I'm really excited about. The, the glue that holds it together, the magic, is the friendship between you and Phoebe. Yes, we love friendship. It's so... <laughs> magical and hilarious and amazing i need to I, I just want sort of like a timeline of like how did you know that your friendship was so hilarious that it would transfer into an amazing podcast that like you know because like a lot of friends they get together and they think they're so hilarious when they get together and yeah like they're, they and usually it's like are a world of private jokes yeah but it's like don't do private jokes that makes <laughs> but people you guys are legitimate comedy gold together Thank and you. how did you figure it out and how did you make it happen we um i was shooting a a daily show bit and phoebe uh was acting in it um and so we met and i, sh- I knew she was a stand-up we were both um we both did UCB and so I knew her because she was a black woman and had a white bay and I was also a black woman who like had a white bay so um she she's a stand-up she's an awesome stand-up and so she was like well what do you want to do for your birthday because my birthday is coming up and I was like well I really have always wanted to try stand-up and she was like well do you want to co-host my show Blarry Alive I was like yeah totally I'll, I'll do that um and so I went and co-hosted we did the show at UCB East and there weren't that many people there at all. It was awesome. And so we did the show, and then um, we were like, wow, this was fun. And then she like was like, do you want to do it again? I was like, yeah, totally. So we like started doing it. We moved the show to Union Hall, um, so we got a little bigger. And then um, we the show started selling at Union Hall really quickly, so unfortunately we had to move to the Bell House. And so now we do our shows at the Bell House. And... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It just sort of snowballed. And we just realized that there's something really fun about, like, two women just talking shit and, like, talking about dating and, like, sexuality and, like, um, celebrities. Like, we really talk about anything and everything. Sometimes we talk about politics. Sometimes we talk about um, womanism and, like, feminism. So it really is It really just we do everything. And we know... We really wanted to make sure with Two Dope Queens that we give people an opportunity to be seen that wouldn't necessarily be seen right. in the comedy community. Because oftentimes, as minorities or a woman, you are the supporting character in somebody else's narrative. Yep. But for Two Dope Queens, we try and make sure that 
these people are the stars of their own narratives. So we really, that's why we keep the stand up is because we really want to make sure that people are seeing not only us, but other people. So we, we really try and do that. And we do the show live because we get to discover so much about each other and it gets our adrenaline pumping and we, um, are desperate and really like immediate feedback like we like laughter um <laughs> and it looks like you guys generally just have so much fun up oh, there we which do. i it's think so is fun. really the yeah we're we like can't believe that um people like are so excited to see us hang out with each other so we we i feel very lucky and i know she does too so we we really try and make sure that we like enjoy ourselves and each other whenever we do the show so part of uh, our show uh-huh. like our, our second half of our show that Callie and I are about to mm-hmm. record mm-hmm. is we ask each other what you're watching and we want to ask you just in general in pop culture not only what are you watching but what are you listening to do you listen to podcasts aside I from don't. your own excellent I one don't. I listen honestly I, 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 I listen to WNYC that, all, every day that's fair. all the time I listen to in the morning I listen to Brian Lair I listen to I listen to Leonard Lopate. Uh-huh. Um, I listen to um, Fresh Air. I, Have you I, been on their on their multiple shows? No, I would die. Everybody would know if I, I'm such a fan of. of <laughs> I've I been on WNYC die. a few times. Really, and it's super fun. That's good. It's yeah, like we're in their podcast division, but not like I. I would die. I <laughs> I run into um, them and like the um, Radio Lab guy and I'm guys and I'm just like holy shit, you guys are I'm like screaming. But yeah, I, I do that. What am I watching right now? I'm watching The Leftovers because I'm starting from the first season, but apparently The Leftovers just ended. And uh-huh. all of my friends on Facebook whose opinions I trust have been like, this was the perfect ending to this show. Like, this show was fantastic. So my wife and I just started watching The Leftovers from the first episode, and it's been great. It's been incredible. I missed the first season, tried to jump into the second. Oh, and that's bold. I, that's bold. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to have to ignore this when it's yeah. on because my my husband was watching it and uh-huh. i was like i'm gonna do some other shit because this is gonna ruin the show for me I yeah gotta start from the beginning yeah no because so he was like you can jump in and i was like nah dude i've already lost I'm out of here. yeah yeah I'm, i did that um i'm reading uh harry potter again uh-huh. um are you in like the whole like 20th anniversary like frenzy no you know i was doing i think i was traveling when that happened like everybody being super excited about it, and I know, like for me as like a millennial, sometimes I'm like bummed that I miss like the the breeze of it in the moment of the day. Like, like may the fourth be with you. Like if it was like the sixth, I'd be like, well, what's the point? Yeah, <laughs> this is stupid. I'm not gonna post about this. But yes, yeah. I mean, I it's just um, time. I'm 27, so I grew up at the sort of exact like at the perfect age for when the books were coming out and when the movies were coming out like the Harry Potter cast is like the same age as me right so uh, you know if you're at that age you grew up with it exactly so I feel very like emotionally invested in it and really personally tied to it so I uh I've all I try and reread it as much as possible do you ever look at um celebrities that are the same age that you are just to like gauge well yeah just to see like what it what is my life supposed to no look like i don't even want to say supposed to look like like i'm the exact same age as angelina jolie and drew barrymore okay and so i look at that and i'm like oh should i have six adopted kids would i be able to <laughs> that's six so boo boo oh don't do like, that to yourself yeah, oh dude. my gosh to like, try don't to compare yourself that. to those two is like, like Drew yeah. Barrymore's been married a million times by now. I haven't been married yet. Yeah, but you also L-L. didn't have a yeah. coke problem at 12. 
I did she's not. Been, she's lived a million lives. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. Drew. She actually is very fascinating to me. But I very feel like she's lived a really yeah, she jumped interesting out. life. She was like, I'm Studio 54 and I'm two. And I'm yeah. best friends no, with E.T. She, yeah, she's so interesting to me. I would like love to like get mimosas Have with her. Have you seen that? That show that she's done. Um, no, no. Oh, the zombie good. show? Yeah. Santa Clarita, Santa Clarita Diet. Yeah. yeah. It was no. good. Cool. But I think also just because I'm, I've am i loved her since I was little. So like, Yeah, she's, and she was, she's great. She was out of the game for a little bit. And then mm-hmm. she's got that little cute little lispy thing. Everything she talks. about her. Everything so about her like, is great. Talk again. Yeah. <laughs> just talk again. My friends and I just rewatched um, Charlie's Angels. And she's so good. Like that, Those movies are great. But <laughs> she is... She's just great. She's likable. Never Been Kissed is great. That was one of my favorite that is movies such when a I was good in one. high school. Um, Josie, Josie Grozy. And the Pussycats? Uh, Josie Grozy. Oh, Josie Grozy. Josie yes. and the Pussycats is like, hate to quote the movie, but it's like the best movie ever. It's, it's so good. <laughs> if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so good. The soundtrack is iconic. Like, it's it's really I important a, I was a to bit me. too old for that one. Sure. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But it's like, so good. I was Spice not. Girls, you know. Yes. Oh, Spice World? Yeah. Spice World was so good with that bus. Yeah, it was so good. Tell me what you want. What you really, really want. I mean, I'll tell you <laughs> what I want. What I really, really want. Um, I want to thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for having me. This was incredible. Awesome. Thank you, Busties. I love it. Thank you. Seriously. Watch Jessica James comes out July 28th. July 28th. On Netflix, you can watch it from your, you can literally Netflix and chill and watch it. You yes. Could. You could. Thank but you actually so watch it though. Yeah, I would love if you did. I would, I would like <laughs> it. <laughs> I, it would really mean a lot to me. Help us assist out. Thank you. Appreciate and it. And Two Dope Queens. Uh, oh yeah, Two Dope Queens. House, and then you you can listen to it on. On all the podcasts. Yeah, we're about to say season four. So I'm very excited about that. Keep your eyes peeled. Thanks, guys. You're the best. Thank you so much. So when we come back, I am going to gaze deeply into your eyes, Callie Watson, ask you, what What you you watching? This episode of Pop-Tarts was produced in the Listening Booth. Check out this sneak peek of their shows and then head to listeningboothmedia.com to find out more about each one. This is What's Happening Here. I'm Katie Shepard, your host, and this season... I'm Terrence Mickey, and welcome to Memory Motel. I'm Julia Bainbridge, and welcome to The Lonely Hour, which I'm producing in partnership with The Listening Booth. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling the New York Times Classifieds. Christine speaking. I may help you. Hi, my name is Terrence Mickey, and I'm calling to inquire about an obituary. What information were you looking for that I could possibly help you with? Okay. Now a grown woman with a supportive husband, Jillian is fine, but that comes after wading through years of pain and confusion. I had been wrestling with this because I knew in the pit of my stomach that my fetish is not caused by childhood trauma, but it felt like my own life contradicted that. Matt, who was a big talker, big personality, loved to be the center of attention, was running away from having to be vulnerable. I don't know. It's like whenever we have this like fights or something whenever I talk about this. It's like I have a shield in my hand and whenever this happens, I just put it up to protect myself. The Listening Booth. There's a story inside. And we're back. Hello. Hello. We're in the booth and I'm asking Callie, Callie Watts, whatcha watching? Well, uh, we both watched Glow, right? Glow! It's on Netflix. It's about the glorious ladies of wrestling. No, gorgeous ladies. The gorgeous of, ladies of wrestling. Of wrestling from the 80s. And I 
Love it. I love it. It started a little slow. The first two episodes, um, they were they were a bit of a chore to get through. Mm-hmm. But once episode three hit, mm-hmm. then I was binging. I couldn't stop. It was. I've over watched after up that. through episode five, and you've watched all of them. Yes. I'm into it, and I can't wait to go home and watch it some more because, I don't know, there's just some warm feelings that I feel about all that Aquanet, all that big hair. All those women. So many scrunchies, so much um, sort of like very specific aerobics attire. Yes. That I remember from my youth. The I, leotard thong. I've been in, in aerobics since, I want to say, first grade. I took oh, something whoa. called kids her size. Oh, <laughs> and went all and like it, that was in the eighties, and there was just so did you much do aerobics. get in shape, girl? Get in shape, girl! I totally did that. Do you remember that with was, Alyssa Milano? And it was like you would get the get in shape. Oh girl no, no, no. Tape. Alyssa Milano was Teen Steam. Alyssa, Alyssa oh, Milano had her own I didn't workout tape called Teen Steam. But then Get in Shape Girl came with like a ribbon on a stick and like little barbells. And this is such a throwback. It had a tiny anklet thing that you could fit a quarter in in case you were jogging and needed to use and a payphone for a payphone <laughs> because it was the stamp. 80s and in the 80s little girls jogged alone with a quarter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in case they needed to drop a dime on someone did you watch the original glow i watched I feel like I saw it maybe once or twice, but I did watch. There's a Netflix documentary about the original. I watched that too. That I watched to remember and prepare myself for the show. And I'm glad that I did because there's like a lot of things where I would be like, well, that's just racist, sexist bullshit. But that was part of Glow. But that was literally what the show was like. And so I I lived for Glow when I was young. Me and my, I have two sisters and we would watch it every weekend. Uh Uh-huh. Did you have favorite wrestlers? I was, I loved Godiva. She's the one that came out in the horse. On the horse. With yeah. all the flowers on her. Mm-hmm. I'm Godiva from England, of course, and through the town I ride my horse. Mm-hmm. And when I was watching this, okay, so I tried to match up the OG wrestlers with the characters uh-huh. because I got obsessed. I was like, well, because Liberty Bell, uh-huh. that's one of the characters. Right. She's like Americana, which was like... Americana, yeah. They like match up so much. My favorite, second and favorite... Mount Fuji. Mount, Mount uh, Fiji. Fiji. But yeah, that's there's a character like her. Mm-hmm. But um, one of my favorite characters was Dementia. Do yeah, you... who's the, the crazy girl? Yeah, and she carried around like a Sesame Street doll. <laughs> raggedy ass, like Sesame Street doll. And uh-huh. always came in in a cage. Right, so, it was like the wolf girl. Yeah, but I'm hoping they develop her more and get her even crazier. Because, mm-hmm. like, dementia was batshit. Yeah. And in the documentary, they talk about how, like, she would stare and just not blink for, like, 13 minutes or something. <laughs> it's very unnerving. She just she didn't even need makeup to look that crazy. Mm-hmm. Also, I love that they all actually lived together in real life. Like, how they do in the show, they move them into a house together. Uh-huh. In the OG Glow, they all had to live together. Right. So, but they separated it between good girls and bad girls. Right, right. I love it. I, I was living for it, dude. I tore it apart. I want to ask you, like, I was watching it and super into it. And Logan, I think, just, like, saw part of one and was, like, he had the same reaction that he did to Mad Men, which is interesting because Allison Brie was in both of them, that, like... You know, that was a time when people were really racist and sexist, and I don't want to, like, nostalgically go back to that time. 
But that's like most times. <laughs> yeah. So like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to watch it. Yes, it is like a time that is racist and sexist, but I feel like it's like a knowing sort of like, wow, I'm glad that it's better now. Yeah. Feeling. I mean, that's a very interesting take on it, but it's also like they were it, it's it may not be that much better now <laughs> because right. I'm it may not be that much better now of the way they had the character that was like the bomber character just because she looked Middle Eastern mm-hmm. and that was like the character of Palestinian from the OG and I can see that happening now and then they played on the Cold War with the Russian mm-hmm. and the communist versus the Americana person yeah I can see that happening now I mean I don't follow Do you think it's bad taste to make fun of that kind of racism considering we're still grappling with it I think it depends on if you're addressing that, if you're knowingly saying, hey, this is fucked up that these people are this racist, but let's point it out and not ignore it. Yeah. Versus just being like ignoring the situation and not being like, yo, it's so fucked up that that should happen. Now maybe we should look at that, Mm -hmm. you know, how you're using it as a tool. If that makes sense. No, I hear you. It's a good show. I Um, feel like everyone should watch it. Yeah. I was also, I mean, there were so many lady characters and each of them, it they each get to shine a little bit, which I Effortless appreciate. Effortless diversity. I'm there for it. I can't wait for the next season. Awesome. Then, did you watch the BET Awards? No. Tell me all, all the things about the BET Awards. I saw, I feel like I was sort of following vaguely along on Twitter while I was doing something else. And I know that Solange got like some kind of a nice Solange award got- just for being an awesome person. No, 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 no. She got an award for, it's called the um, BT-centric award. So it's like a neo-soul neo award okay. is what she won. Um, the being nice person went to um, Chance the Rapper. Oh. For, he got a humanitarian award. Uh, Beyonce got album of the year. That's no surprise. But she was up against, her, uh, I believe, her sister. Oh, wow. Um, but I mean, at least Beyonce finally got that album of the year after the Grammys fucked her over so badly because she should have won. She should have won, dude. Everybody knows it. But uh, Remy Ma got best female rapper and beat Remy out Ma. beat out Young M.A. who was <gasps> up. You know how I feel about Young M.A., Missy Elliott, Cardi B., who I've talked about my new love for before. You have. And Nicki Minaj, who had won that award for seven years in a row. She won that for seven years in a row? Yeah. <gasps> so I'm pretty sure that means that that battle is over because Remy Ma just snatched that crown. Wow. Right off her head. But the most important thing that happened for me personally at the BET Awards. What happened? There was an escape reunion. Do you remember the band Escape? from oh yeah it's like with an x like it's spelled all weird yes and it's got tiny from the ti and tiny uh-huh, uh-huh show that's how most people remember her now but back in the early in the 90s in the early 90s right? when it X-gate. was the huge moment for women groups well, we had, they, were they um r&b yeah so the they were yeah. out there with swv in vogue and then it was them uh-huh. so i had all the feels Aww. for that reunion because I don't think that they have played together in, since like the, they broke up in the 90s. So that got me feels. Um, I've been watching a lot of Top Chef because my roommate is sick and that's his stories. That's like his soap <laughs> opera. So 
He's been taking a lot of the TV and Top Chefing, and he gets really into Top Chef, like mm-hmm. the way that I get into RuPaul's Drag Race and Scream Are you at the getting TV. into Top Chef by association or not quite? I mean, sometimes I'll be like, what? You can't do that to sushi? Or like, I'll scream about something, but... Do you like it when like, someone will will soft boil an egg on top of things just to like... Oh, I love a soft boil. You know how they're always just putting a soft boiled egg on top of like there all was kinds of everything. One guy that put bacon on everything, and I was like, "Dude, you have to change your wig. Like, you can't always wear the same look. You can't always put bacon on the thing." Right. And then also, <laughs> I've been guiltily watching some Charmed again. Aww. I love Charmed. Even though Rose McGowan told us at Bust that it was like the worst time of her life. Yeah. It's like watching her suffer. Yeah, what why was it why she just hated that director, right? She I think I mean, I don't remember her being terribly specific about why it was the worst, but she hated everything about it. And she hated what they asked her to do and she hated the script. <laughs> well, that's very fair. I don't watch it because it's well written. <laughs> uh-huh. It was like back I think it was like her Rose McGowan said something on the lines of like that was her breaking point where like after that she wouldn't do like what the fuck ever for whoever anymore like she wasn't gonna live her life that way anymore oh interesting she was on the second after she was the replacement for Shannon Doherty yeah right mm-hmm. weird I thought that Shan- everybody hated Shannon Doherty and that's why she left so I would figure that it would be drama free once they got rid of her I don't know man it wasn't her steez. Hmm. Interesting. I do love Rose McGowan, though. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Charmed is a great show by any means. But there's something relaxing about it. Right. And, like, the monsters are so cheesy. Like, yeah, it's like it's occult light. so cheesy. It reminds me of, like, the creatures from um, the Power Rangers. Uh-huh. You know? And, yeah, it's just, like, one of those things, like, it's one of the things I watch when I just need fluff so that I can just, like, tune in, tune out, you know? Yeah. So that's been what I'm watching. What you watching? Oh, I'm watching. But first, I was listening. I was listening to a podcast that I have mentioned on this program before. It's called The Hilarious World of Depression. Oh, yeah. And there was a very fascinating episode that I recommend people look up that was with Anna Marie Cox. I don't know if you remember her. She's the founding editor of Wonkette, which is that that amazing political blog. And then... Is that still around? I don't think so. She was a political correspondent for MTV News, and she did all the talk interviews in the New York Times Magazine. She was a Washington correspondent for GQ. Like her, she was had she was on Air America. Like she's just like had this massive political career, and apparently in the midst of it, she tried to kill herself. Whoa! And she was um, institutionalized and. From there, she went to rehab, and it's like, really amazing that people open up like this on this show. Yeah, it was really. I hate to use the word brave because it's I thought not, it was so brave, and I and not just like I feel like sort of a dick about using the word for brave about it because you that stigmatizes that you have to have that it should yeah, be that. Difficult. I just thought that it was how about just fucking badass. Yes, like she was so unflinchingly honest and open for like quite a lengthy discussion about the darkest period of her life and was very constructive in like her description of how she extricated herself from 
from that moment in time and like the subsequent moments that like led to where she is today it was just really important I was like wow like that's a podcast that could like literally change someone's life a movie that you and I both watched since the last time we recorded was Band-Aid which was written and directed by and starring Zoe Lister-Jones as she stars as a woman who like is having a bad time in her marriage with lots of stupid fighting. And so she and her husband decide to start a band and just write songs about their fights. And they get together with their creepy neighbor, played by Fred Armisen, and they start a band. And the movie's called Band-Aid. And Zoe Lister-Jones wrote it, directed it, produced it, starred in it, and she staffed it with a whole all-female technical staff. Which I love. I wasn't that big into the movie itself, but... I love the commitment to the women. It was all women's staff. Yes. We talked about this very film on a podcast that you can listen to right now. You can listen to us in the hot seat as guests on the There Will Be Drinking podcast hosted by Caitlin Michelle and Meredith Nine. And we really dig in on it. Yeah, we get super deep on it. So if you want to hear us talk about Band-Aid more with some lovely ladies who made us a delicious cocktail that was like a ther- a therapeutic cocktail to go along with the theme of Band-Aid. It had <laughs> like lemon and honey and tea in it and it, gin. And gin. It was <laughs> crisp and delicious. That episode is out now. Listen to it. Let us know what you think about it. I know that you're not with the new Twin Peaks. But the latest episode was unbelievable. I read some, like, recap stuff about how crazy and batshit this episode was. Like, even if you're not going to, like, go all in for all of it, like, watch episode eight. It is an art film in and of itself. It's an origin story. It's a hallucinogenic atomic nightmare. Oh, man. And... It was very sort of, it was both creepy and sort of lulled you into a sort of trance the same way Eraserhead did. I don't know if you ever saw Eraserhead, which is one of Lynch's early films. You know, like a lot of black and white, a lot of, um, not even exactly silence, but like sort of like the sound of just like, (sighs) you know, like just sort of breathing or wind or air or like vortex sounds and like you really have to I don't even you you really have to reckon with it you have to encounter it you have to absorb it into like the most symbolic part of your brain (laughs) like the part of your brain that is operating when you are dreaming is the part of your brain that you need to access to watch episode eight of the new Twin Peaks. Whoa. And I will also say that the last, I want to say somewhere around eight minutes, like was so terrifying. I thought that I might be physically ill, but I wanted, I didn't want to stop it, but I was also so scared. Well, now I'll watch it if you tell me that. (laughs) I was so scared. Will I be scared if I have no idea what's going on? Yes. Okay. All right. Because <laughs> I'm not going to try to figure out what's going on. Like, I feel like episode eight, obviously, like, if you've been watching the whole thing, you're going to appreciate it on multiple levels. But I also feel like episode eight is an art film that can be watched on its own. I'll give it a whirlwind. I will wrap this up with something I'm not proud of. Uh-oh. But I did watch the Lifetime original movie, 
Michael Jackson returned to Neverland. Oh no, how was it? And I'm not alone. Apparently two million people watched it when it aired on Lifetime. Who did they have play Michael Jackson now? They got this very eerie Michael Jackson impersonator named Navi. That's after they got rid of that white dude that they were trying to get. I'm not clear on whether or not. documentary? I think that, I don't know if it was the same production or not. I was trying to figure because it out. Because that was highly problematic. Yeah, no. This was... Yeah, I don't think that that was a Lifetime original movie. Um, but they got this dude whose whole IMDb page is just like different things in which he's been shot impersonating Michael Jackson. But even on top of that, like they did things to his face to make him look like Michael Jackson in the last two years of his life. And it was eerie. Like, it wasn't an exact replica but like you really Really did feel like you were you know Michael Jackson didn't look like a person right so it's very difficult to get a person to look like a person who doesn't look like a person and they did (laughs) they got him they got the person playing him to look like a person who doesn't look like a person and I appreciated it he does look like a person just in his (laughs) person way And it was, you know, it was trashy and it was gratuitous. It was based on the book, Remember the Time, Protecting Michael Jackson in His Final Days, which was written by his bodyguards at the end of his life. And so the whole thing was told through the eyes of his two bodyguards. You really don't see anything other than what a bodyguard would see. You know, like there's a lot of scenes of like them holding back crowds at malls, (laughs) but there's like juice. There's like different jackson family members like trying to break into his house and like demanding money and like you know that you get to see security concerns yeah in all of their all of their splendor and you also definitely get the feeling of like knowing what it was like to be in the house with michael and the kids at the end like you it whether that's what it was like or not it gives the viewer the feeling that they know what it was like and that is satisfying, even though it was so trashy. And I <laughs> I was, like, berating myself for watching it, but I couldn't look away because I'm fascinated with well, all things Michael Jackson. That's part of the beauty of a Lifetime movie. Yeah, thank it's you, the Lifetime. Guilt, the guilt that you get afterwards. <laughs> the guilt that keeps on giving. That is what I've been watching. Well, this, this has been joy. the best. I can't believe we were just in here with Jessica Williams. That ruled so hard. Oh, my gosh. She's so tall. <laughs> she's so tall and perfect and beautiful. Oh, my God. She's beautiful. I was just like, I, f- I feel like a little little tiny person. <laughs> she's some, she's some, uh, she's magical, glamorous. Yeah, she's like a unicorn. Yeah. Thank you so much to our producer Rachel Withers for making our dreams come true yet again. Thank you. Our pals at the listening booth. Thank you guys so much, Terrence, Mickey, and Katie Shepard, and our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rams. You can find us both on the email. I'm emilyrams at bust.com. I'm calliew at bust.com. And to find out more about Bust, visit us at bust.com. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. If you don't, it's going to be like at the end of Michael Jackson's life when he was like <laughs> rattling around empty mansions because he didn't even have any money. And like... People didn't even want to come around anymore because of the sexual abuse allegations. Like, we want to be more popular than that. (laughs) And the only way that you can show us that we are more popular than that is to rate and review us on iTunes. 
please do it. We super duper appreciate it. Mwah! Mwah.